Americans apparently are paying a lot less of income taxes this year than last year, which defies a lot of expectations or a lot of, of government data on the labor market, which many interpret as continuing to be red hot. So why aren't Americans paying their taxes? At the same time, consumer price increases are continuing to decelerate month after month after month with the month of June coming in as one of the lowest consumer price rates in many, many years, including disinflation in the core rate. Maybe these two things correspond together. Now, we're a little bit late getting to the consumer price numbers. I took a day off there and wanted to talk about them in particular with Mr. Stephen Van Meter because this is something that we've been talking about on this show for many months now, that eventually, eventually, not all at once, but eventually, all the consumer price numbers were going to line up in the same way, which was not great inflation 2.0. And when we look at the some of the labor market numbers we got from the June payroll report, as well as the monthly treasury, pay, uh, treasury statement from the government, which shows a lot less taxes being paid, we start to have to wonder, I mean, we're looking, we're, we've been expecting this all along, but Maybe there's more to it than just a gentle downslope of inflation in the economy. Maybe there's more going on to the downside, especially when you also bring into it, Steve, your Disney park attendance PMI, which was absolutely spot on, as I talked about in a previous video. The Wall Street Journal picked up that uh, the same thing in an article earlier this week where they said, where is everybody? Where's the taxes? Where's the inflation? Where is everybody at Disney? Yeah, Jeff, um, I just saw some data the other day that said the year-over-year tourism tax is down like 6% from last year. Uh, and that's staggering because my friend, I haven't been, I'm, I'm going to go one of, to Magic Kingdom this weekend, at least that's the plan, check it out for myself, get some boots on the ground because I've been at the water park a lot. As you know, I do that. And the attendance there is down. I mean, it, it gets hard, you know, it's busy in the morning, but boy, it drops off quick. And we start looking around and even the locals are starting to show up during the day because like, hey, it's not that busy. And so you start looking around and you can even get restaurant reservations during key times, which is very unusual around here. All kind of validating, as I've been told here, the travel plans are made three months in advance. So if this tells us three months ago that people were starting to already see some form of hardship, well, if this is the beginning of a slowdown here, Boy, where is it going to be when school gets back in a month from now? Yeah, if it's the beginning of a slowdown, I think it's the beginning of the next stage of the slowdown where more and more the in the incoming data that we get is just concerned. Where do we want to start here? I mean, should we start with the CPI numbers or should we start with the taxes? Because both of them are pretty – when you get into the CPI details in particular, there's a lot of it that says not just disinflation but – there's deflation coming in, in some of these statistics. And if the government's right, this treasury report that uh, that you actually show, showed to me earlier, I mean, if the treasury's numbers are correct, we're, there's a lot more weakness than, uh, than, uh, than everybody seems to be anticipating. So where do you want to start here? CPI, taxes, wh which one? You know, Jeff, I think the best place to start is with the CPI because no one believes that this thing can actually slow down. But when we look at the ancillary data, which is tax receipts, which is which is staggering. So we want a little anticipation going to that, that it actually starts to make sense that there's are reasons why the tax or why CPI is slowing down. So what are the numbers? Yeah, let's start with the CPI. I guess this is a couple of days old, but it's it's worth going over again because this is the this is some of the more important economic details that we have coming out 
Uh, for the month of June, the unadjusted CPI, that only increased 2.97%. The adjusted seasonally adjusted index was up 3.09%. Both of those were the lowest since March of 2021. More importantly, the monthly increase in the full CPI was just 0.18%. So another low monthly increase there. The core, the core rate, which is everybody's been talking about the core for several months. As the headline CPI continues to decelerate and get into further and further disinflationary territory, they said, no, 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 look at the core because the core rate, that's where the inflation is. Well, not in the month of June. In the month of June, the core rate was up just 0.16% month over month, which broke a string of six straight months where the monthly rate had been around 0.4%, which if you do the math, that's obviously around 5% per year, which is too high. Uh, on an annual basis, the core rate was up 4.83%, which is the lowest since October 21. So that plus the low monthly rate, maybe, yes, it's just one month, but with everything else that we're talking about, this might be the start of the core rate breaking down too, which Steve, as you and I both know, that's not a good sign. While the core rate can continue to be sticky for a long time, that has nothing to do with the economy. Once the core rate starts to break down, that's where you get into the statistics that we're going to talk about with the taxes, right? Yeah, Jeff, because as we look at the core, we've seen used car prices. Now, that's not, it's not dropping much in, in the actual CPI data in, inside it. But outside of that, if you listen to people in the car industry right now, they're seeing used car prices are starting to drop and not just a little bit, but in a big way. As you know, Jeff, it's that shelter component, that highly lagged piece of the core CPI. Once that thing breaks, whatever, whenever it is, I don't know. I don't know if you have any insight into that, but we know when that thing goes, the core is coming down. But it's just interesting to me that the headline CPI is at three. The Fed has their target at two. So we're close. I mean, if we're as close as we've been in ages, we can almost assume that next month we're going to get even closer to that 2% target. Of course, you got to move the goalposts because, you know, why not? You have to have a reason to keep hiking because they box themselves into this, Jeff. I mean, they've been talked up rate hikes so much. It's almost like a lock for July. Do we really need it? Well, if, if you think it matters, you know, um, because there's no relationship here. We've known all this. But um, I, I think, you know, when we look at this CPI data, it tells us everything we know. The economy is slowing. The question we don't always have the answer to, but I think the tax data tells us is why. Yeah, well, you mentioned a couple things there. Let's uh, shelter prices. Shelter, that's a good one because that's one of the components of the core rate that's been keeping it high and hot all this time. And that has begun to roll over. Even the owner's equivalent rent part has ro rolled over too. The shelter index was, was up 0.37% month over month in June. That's still high, but that's down on a monthly basis from the last several months. On a year-over-year -year basis, 7.8%, which is just a little bit less than the high uh, back in March, which is 8.2%. So you see shelter prices are coming down now, which right as we expected, we don't, we didn't know what time or the timing would be, but we had expected that shelter prices would have to roll over because there's a 12 to 18 month lag with housing prices. And here we are a year later after housing prices rolled over, shelter prices are starting to come down too. Uh, services, less rent, that's another key, key one. Service prices, another one everybody talks about is inflationary services, less rent. They were up 0.15% in June after being down 0.22% in uh, May. But since January, services prices, excluding rent, have been basically flat. So disinflation there. You mentioned car prices, Steve. Also new car prices. 
New car prices in the CPI index were down for the third consecutive month. So there's another one that's rolling over. So the point is, when we look at all of the parts of the CPI, including those that go in the core rate, including all of those that used to be the key parts of the inflation that we had in 2022, they are at, at worst or at least rolling over when a lot more are disinflationary. And even more than that, we're starting to look at negative numbers again, even though they're not huge, but negative numbers again that correlate or correspond with the economy is not in inflation. We're not in danger of great inflation 2.0. Instead, we're looking at the possibility, rising possibility of deflationary recession. Yeah, and that's really what's scary because we don't need deflation right now in terms of all of this debt. I mean, we do need some inflation. I know some people are shaking their heads saying, no, no, we want that. I said, you know, I get it, but we are in a debt-based economy. We do need some form of inflation. We have to have it. The problem is we have these large swings and they just don't make any sense. No one can plan around and businesses get just jigsawed on this whole deal. It's not a good thing for consumers. So as we look ahead now, we, we've been teasing this data here on tax receipts for a reason, because Jeff, you've, you've seen the numbers. I've seen the numbers. You know what? Just put them out there because if people want a reason why inflation is coming down and we're not going to see inflation 2.0 and why we might actually see deflation 2.0 from the great financial gold financial crisis. This is an indicator right here of why people don't have money. Yeah, you sent me these numbers and I looked at them and I said, no, Steve, you're lying to me. There's no way these are accurate. So because I didn't trust you, I went to the actual, I went to the government's left. I mean, you got to go to the primary source material. You don't take anybody's word for it, especially if you hear this on YouTube somewhere. And since you are a prominent YouTuber, there was no way I was going to take your word for it either. But you know what? I went to the Treasury statement and it's in table three, summary of receipts and outlays for the U.S. government, June 2023 and other periods. And the first line under budget receipts is individual income taxes. And what it says for this month is $149 billion and a little bit extra. But current fiscal year to date, $1.693 trillion, which sounds like a lot of taxes and it really is. But then it says right next to it in the column next to it, comparable prior period year to date. So the same months of the same first half of the fiscal year, or the same months of the fiscal year in 2022 versus 2023, 2.135 trillion. So we've gone from 2.135 trillion in individual income taxes in 2022 up until June, up to and including June 2022, to suddenly 1.693 trillion up to including June 2023. That's an enormous difference. I mean, that's that's enormous. I mean, again, when you first showed me that, I'm like, there's no way this is possibly true. Now, it's not all employment taxes, obviously. It's not like we have mass layoffs, but the reason that people are paying less individual income taxes is obviously because something isn't right in the economy. They're they're expecting that they're going to have lower tax liabilities. So withholdings are going withholdings and estimated tax payments must be going way down for reasons that we see in the CPI data. 
Yeah, Jeff, it could be some other reasons in addition to that, too. We know that wages are up, so we would expect to see perhaps tax receipts up. But also, we notice that hours work continue to decline, and overtime hours are big bonuses for people. Well, if you're not getting overtime, you're not getting those big checks, perhaps even you know on Wall Street or in corporate you know worlds where you're at executive levels, they might not be getting big bonuses, and you're not hearing about that. You know, the, when times are good and you're out – you know, talking to people, what you find out is people like, oh man, I'm getting this, you know, 10,000 or I'm getting some money, boy, I'm going to go buy, you know, a new car or a boat or take a trip. You're not hearing people talk about that. And now this is a staggering drop. So maybe there's just some seasonal issue and next month it'll normalize. But nevertheless, what this is telling us is the incomes are down because taxes are down. So if taxes are down and incomes are down, then lo and behold, spending cannot be up. It doesn't make any sense. Now, now unless we see a huge surge in borrowing, which we're not, but if we did, which we didn't because the credit card data, we just got that recently, showed that borrowing dropped remarkably. And all of a sudden, you start to point all these things at the CPI and said, less money, less borrowing, less spending, less inflation. Yeah, that's a good one to point out, too, to add to our discussion. A non-revolving credit was negative on a uh, seasonally adjusted monthly level uh, for the month of May. Negative non-revolving credit card, or not credit card, but non-revolving consumer debt. That corresponds with only some of the worst economic cases, because you don't normally see, even during a mild recession, which the Federal Reserve claims that it's expecting, you don't normally see um, non-revolving credit go down. And you look at some of the other tax receipts, they're consistent with recession, too. For example, customs duties. Now, these are not huge numbers, but customs duties year to date in 2022 were 74 billion, whereas in year to date 2023, 60.4 billion. That's an enormous decline as well as um, excise taxes. Again, same thing. 61 billion year to date before, 59 billion. So those are down too. The government's tax receipts in all of these categories are suggesting, as the CPI is, not more inflation or more inflation risk, but there's it's, it's some level of weakness. We just haven't been able to put numbers on it yet because we're in that transition period. You know, Jeff, could some of this maybe be that all this pandemic money is now gone, that perhaps that was just fueling incomes and spending? And now that it's gone, obviously, without it, we're getting back to, we'll say, normal, whatever normal was. We can go back and look and say, hey, maybe we're just readjusting down because this money's finally filtered through. Is it possible that the pandemic money has gone? Because, you know, the newspapers or the media says it's not. But to me, it's kind of looking like maybe it's gone. I think that's exactly the case here, Steve, because when you look at the fundamental, I mean, even just supply shocks through history, as I just talked about in a recent video, but also the fact that we never really recovered from 2020. And it looked like we did. I mean, a lot of statistics look really good. If you take away, say, the participation problem, the unemployment rate real, looked really good. Some of the wage numbers, if you take away survivor bias and some of those, those types of statistical anomalies, it looked really good. But you're right. Overall, incomes in the labor market are still far behind where they would have been had we not had a pandemic. And once the government money disappears, everybody spends their savings, we're left with these incomes that are much less than they would have been had we been in the pandemic. And that's kind of what the tax receipts are pointing us toward. They're saying that all that artificial stuff that went into the economy in 2021, in the first part of 2022, that's now gone. 
And what's left behind is this economy that hasn't actually recovered. Its baseline or fundamental value or fundamental uh, fundamental support of actual earned income is, I hope, not half a trillion less because that's just that is absolutely frightening how how much how much of a difference it is. Yeah, and I think what's scary here, Jeff, is we had all this pandemic spending and everyone just moved the bar up for the economy. They said, this is the new normal. And was like, no, it can't be because unless you have all this flux of money continuing to come into the economy through through any mechanism, whether the government's borrowing it or people are borrowing it from the banks, and spend, it doesn't matter. It has to come from somewhere. But the moment that went away, and like you said, if half a trillion, if this number is real, oh boy, watch out. But there was always going to be a point where we adjust down. Now, the scary part, well, let's go right back to the CPI. We've been talking about how this thing was going to drop off the cliff. It hasn't really yet. It's come down a lot. It looks like it. But we haven't seen just a big straight drop. If this federal tax receipt number is remotely even close to real, that means in the next coming months, we're going to not just see if CPI go down below the Fed's target, we might actually see it go negative, and that's going to be a huge problem with the Fed you know, going nuts, talking about hiking rates, all of a sudden facing deflation, which, of course, we know is the Fed's biggest nightmare scenario they could ask for. Like you always say, Steve, CPI, that's looking backward, and that's already slowing down. This tax stuff, that's people making plans. They're looking forward. So- looking forward at half a trillion less in taxes versus looking backward at what is already thoroughly disinflationary. And yet the Fed is talking about inflation risks and further rate hikes. Boy, what a world we have. We're going to have to leave it there, Steve. So as always, thank you for joining me. We'll talk again next week. Yeah, look forward to it, Jeff.